Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. Hello, everyone. This is Shannon coming to you from a cold, windy, snowy Michigan. I hope all of you are safe and warm and still have power um, as we do. So today we have the usual look at the week's new releases, but before we do that, I have an interview with author Abigail Dean, whose book, Girl A, was an utter delight in a very creepy, disturbing way that I love, and who was just so, so nice to talk to. Um, I hope you enjoy hearing our discussion as much as I enjoyed having it with her. We dive into Girl A, we talk a lot about the experiences that shape us both her as a writer and just sort of as people in general. We talk a little bit about psychology. It is just a really great conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to start with the usual housekeeping information. Then we will dive right into the interview with Abigail Dean. And then I'll be back with you to talk about new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and I am joined today by author Abigail Dean, who has released a fantastic psychological novel. This is called Girl A. It was released here in the U.S. on February 2nd. So Abigail, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be here and hi to everyone listening as well. Can you start out by giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to Girl A? Sure. Um, Girl A is Lex Gracie. And as a child, Lex manages to escape um, from her family home, which becomes known as the House of Horrors in the press. Um, and when she does so, she frees her six brothers and sisters and exposes her parents' crimes. Girl A actually opens 15 years after that escape, uh, by which time Lex is a successful attorney um, living in New York. And she really does everything she can to avoid thinking about her childhood and avoid thinking about the past. That is until her mother dies in prison. And when she does, she leaves Lex and her siblings, the family home, the house of horrors where they grew up forcing Lex to return to the UK 
um, to reconnect with her brothers and sisters, with her childhood, um, to decide the fate of the house. So there was a case in the U.S. media um, not too long ago that reminded me a little bit of parts of this book in terms of the you know, children being horribly abused and by one of them escaping, um, the others were freed. So it was, um, you know, when I read your book, I kind of thought, oh, like, I wonder if this is kind of how things might have felt for, for those people. You know, obviously you can never truly know, but it did sort of give me that like inside glimpse into what it might have been like in a house like that. Yeah, there the were a few true crime, um, true crime cases that that certainly there were kind of strands of in Girl A. Um, and I think what, what I wanted to sort of think about and what I was um, kind of asking myself when I was writing, when I was writing the book was sort of what happens after um, because this, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly a big consumer of true crime and, you know, I've, I've probably listened to the same podcasts and watched the same shows as, as lots of people listening. And I think I was kind of wondering, well, how does that experience, especially that experience as a child or, or as a teenager, as Lex is in the book, you know, how does that affect the rest of your life um you know in terms of the the weeks and then the months and then I guess the years really that that follow um you know how, how do you live in the sort of wake of that and of that press um attention so, so it was definitely something that I was considering in light of true crime stories um in light of kind of true crime occurrences you know, what what happens next and what kind of you know, strength and resilience that's required, not just to escape, um, but also to, to, to keep kind of living and, and, and adapting and, and you know, not just surviving, but also the way that Lex in the book does, kind of living a, a really hopeful, you know, life as well. Yes. And I felt like, you know, as you look back and forth in time, you can kind of see times when, you know, things were not easy for Lex in particular, but also for her other siblings. You know, she doesn't have a ton of information about some of them, but you sort of learn through like bits and pieces of, of introspection that all of these people were affected in different ways by their childhood experiences. Yeah, very much so. And it's, it's, I think, a case that some of the siblings, um, you know, Lex's older brother, Ethan, for example, he has kind of almost manipulated um, his, his kind of childhood experience in, in a kind of questionable way and mm-hmm. you know, the, the sort of um, press attention to his advantage. Whereas um, Lex's like, younger brother, Gabriel, he, in a way, he's almost as vulnerable outside of the house as he was within it. And he's kind of almost used as, as a sort of, um, you know, tool at these true crime conventions, you know. Yes. Escape from, you know, he's escaped, he's escaped from the house, but he's unable to sort of shift that, that those associations. And I think one thing that I was thinking when I was writing was, you know, how would, how would I react? And, you know, 
I, I think that's something that maybe reading it, people think, you know, which of the siblings, you know, reflects how um, how I would have responded. Because I, I think I always want to think I'd be like Lex and I'd kind of have real grace and strength and and resilience. But, you know, I, I don't know if that would be the case. And, and that's why I wanted this real spectrum across the siblings, you know, in a way each of them has kind of coped and failed to cope to some degree. Yes, yes. So when you were writing this, I'm guessing like research would have been um, a little difficult since a lot of what you're talking about is like abuse and survival um, after abuse. So were there specific things that you did to kind of gain that keen insight into your characters? I read into psychology quite a bit, um, and I guess just the psycho- psychology around how different people might react to, 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 mm-hmm. to childhood or you know, to a traumatic event in childhood in in different ways. But at the same time, I guess I kind of didn't want to diagnose the characters I, I think there's there's a lot of ambiguity in each of the siblings as to how much they've been shaped by their childhood or how much you know is their own character and I wanted to sort of keep that tension um I, I think um in part also because I guess I think however much reading into um psychology one might do you know I, I'm very conscious that I'm not kind of an expert and so I wanted ultimately it to be a fiction about how these different characters react but with that kind of grounding as to how you know this this is all this is a possibility this is a likelihood. right how it could have played out for them based on everything that they would have experienced yeah exactly so did you kind of have this worked out for yourself like how it was going to play out all the way through or were you surprised by certain things as you wrote so I, I kind of um, have, I, I start writing generally with a with a very kind of loose, like rough plot, you know, or almost the skeleton of the of the thing. And um, then I, um, I sort of, you know, go from there. And um, what one thing I, I definitely do find is that I think characters do surprise you. I, I think you know, obviously they're not external things, you know, they're, 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 they are in your head, but they become, I think, kind of small, you know, obsessions of, of a kind of, of a type and, and take on, you know, lives of their own slightly. So I, I think it's, it's the case that like, as I wrote, um, you know, I got to know the characters better and I got to know the Gracie family better. And as I did, I think that kind of adjusted, um, the course of the novel um so so although it always um I, I always knew how it would end I definitely didn't know how each of the characters would get there um ah, okay. and that's the point of it in a way I think okay so have you always wanted to write a book or is this something that you kind of came to like later on like how did you decide to publish a novel so I, I definitely have written for a long time um, since I was kind of a really small child. I was writing, you know, uh, novels about my soft toys and my uh, yes. helpfully unearthed some of them, which is like, thanks, mom. <laughs> I, I, I think, you, you know, as a teenager as well, I was writing fan fiction and, you know, filling notebooks. Um, 
with with various stories. But to, to be honest, as, as I kind of got older, it, it felt a bit like a pipe dream to me. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever had a great deal of confidence in my writing. And um, I think kind of in my 20s in particular, I was just a bit like, you know, this probably isn't going to happen. Like it's too long a shot. Um, and I, I didn't write very much at all um, in in that period of time. And I think it was only really coming up to my 30th birthday that I sort of started to question, like, why had I abandoned this, you know, th- this thing that I had loved, you know, for, for a huge chunk of my life? Um you know, why not give it a more, a proper, a proper shot? Um, so I took three months off, um, off work, um, between jobs. And, um, I, I kind of, for that period, just treated writing Girl A as, um, you know, as a sort of 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, job. Um, you know, went along to the local library every day. Um, I had really grand delusions about finishing, the novel in that time <laughs> ah. <laughs> that did not happen um but it, it was certainly enough time to make a really good start and to feel so kind of invested in the story and in the family and in Lex that you know I I think that then for the sort of nine months after when I was working away at the novel and working at the same time yeah, I was so invested that it, that I sort of had no choice by then, but sort of tried to keep going. So have you always been a reader then, as well as a writer? Yes. Yeah, I've always been, um, I've always been a really big reader. And I think that, you know, I, I tend to write with a big pile of books on my desk, because whenever I'm stuck, I, um, I tend to sort of turn to other writers and you know, read a few paragraphs or read a scene that that is, you know, I think does perfectly what I'm trying to to get to just for some inspiration. So, so definitely I'm a big reader. Yeah. What kind of things do you read? Quite a variety of stuff. Um, I, I, to be honest, any book that I find, um, you know, that, that I, I look for things that are really beautifully written, but also that I can't put down. That, that's kind mm-hmm. of what I try to find. Um, so I love um, Gillian Flynn. Um, oh, yes. Oh, she's just fantastic. Um, I, I love uh, Kazuo Ishiguro um, uh-huh. and um, Cormac McCarthy. And The Road was one of the novels that I kept returning to as I was writing um, Girl A for that kind of real balance of bleakness. and. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, just a huge amount, really. I, I read A Little Life as well by the, the Hanya Yanagahara. Oh, wow just before um just before writing girl a and i think that that also gave me a lot of ideas about kind of the tenderness in friendships and in relationships even in a very kind of difficult at times traumatic storyline like there's these beautiful moments um so yeah i guess it's just just a big variety of stuff i'm pretty open in terms of reading So what do you see as kind of your next step now that Girl A is out in the world? Um, So I think one of the things that has been really, um, there's been, so in a way, the only disappointing thing about um, publishing in a pandemic is not having the chance to meet um, readers and to meet booksellers. Ah, yes. (laughs) 
So, so one of my hopes is that one of the things waiting in the next year or so will be to get a chance to do that and to say thank you to some of the big champions of Girl A um, in person. Um, but, but apart from that, I've been working for the last year or so on my second novel. Um, Yay! It's like, which has been, yeah, like a, you know, something kind of a, a good thing to focus on in a really difficult, um, really difficult year. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a case for me of probably spending the next few months, hopefully finishing the first draft um, of that and then starting the editing process. Do you find editing to be, I've heard people say that editing in some ways is harder than writing the first draft. How do you feel about that? I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's, I think it's difficult because, um, you know, there's, I think even on the really difficult days, there's a kind of joy in writing, you know, like that creating new sentences. You, at the end of the day, you sort of, feel like generally you have um you know you, you've kind of made something and, and I think you know even after a difficult day there's a satisfaction to that um I think that sometimes with editing um you know that this that there's such a concern like am I making this better you know am I actually oh, uh-huh. making it worse you know um I, I think that I certainly find it a re- it's a really challenging process, and I think often you don't feel you don't necessarily see the whole reward until the very end. You know, it's such a sort of incremental um, thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I, I find it tough. But I, I have a lovely kind of fabulous team, um, but at, at Viking in the US and at HarperCollins in the UK, so they they help make it a less painful process. That is very, very good, because I know just from even editing, like when I was in grad school, you know, I would write something and I would look over it and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to like hand it in this way, need to make changes. And that whole process, I think, can be really challenging just to kind of evaluate your own work and decide like what can stay and what can go. Um, So I imagine with something as large and expansive as a novel, that could be even harder than like on a small scale. Yeah, and I, in a way, I mean, I think it sounds really similar. And I think it's probably, I think, yeah, it, whatever you're working on, the, the same challenges um, and the sort of self-doubts probably, they're probably the same. Yeah, exactly. So as you were writing, did you find yourself drawn to like particular types of media? Like were there things that really kind of hold you through when things were difficult like did you do like a certain tv show or a certain genre of book like just anything that kind of pulled you through when things got difficult i'm a big tv um tv addict and i i think that tv is a real help for me like i find it really inspiring um for writing i think especially the dialogue um uh, on TV, um, so I'm I'm a big fan of um, actually quite a lot of um, US uh, stuff. So I absolutely love The Sopranos. Um, I was obsessed with the first season of Succession. Um, oh, editing Girl A. Um, so I, I actually find you know, that the, there's like that the kind of real caustic families in those shows were a massive help um, in terms of developing the Gracie children's relationships in girl a mm-hmm. 
Um, so so maybe I think I, I did turn to them. I think sometimes finding, you know, if you find inspiration in strange places, you know, often in songs or in um or on TV and you know, in films, sometimes those are the little kind of things that that solve problems in writing. Um, I, I definitely find. Well, Girl A was one of um, our podcast's most anticipated February releases. So we spoke a little bit about it um, before it came out in terms of just a book that we were looking forward to. So I was so excited to actually be able to read it and to chat with you about it. It is a deeply disturbing, um, but so, so well-written look into what these children could have experienced and, and how they might have come through. Thank you so, so much for, for you know, it's, it's amazing to hear that, and, you know, to hear that it was anticipated by, by the podcast and by readers. It, it really is, that, that does mean the world to me. I, I am, it's been so great to talk today as well. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your release week schedule to chat with me and let listeners get to know a little bit about who you are. Is there a place that people can find you online if they want to reach out? Yeah, so you can find me um, at I'm Abigail S. Dean on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, and my website is com, which has a list upcoming events um and i'm always like love hearing from readers I'm, i'd love to meet everyone in person at, but at present it, it's just fantastic um, when people reach out so i'd love to hear from people can you give the web address one more time i think it kind of cut out in audio sure so it's abigail dot uh, sorry abigail dash dean dot com beautiful all right. Well, thank you so much and good luck to you on both the um, release of Girl A and whatever you have coming next. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Okay. So it is time now for new books. I think I've said probably 10 or 20 times before that this is my favorite day of the week. I am always so, so happy to talk about new books with people. And this week we have a bunch of really great stuff. The first couple books, as always, are books that you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated releases of February episode. And the book that tops the list today is a book responsible for the closest thing to a book bistro battle we've ever had um, between Brooke, Brooke and Kristen, who are both pretty chill, laid back people, and they fought hard for who was going to talk about A Court of Silver Flame, A Court of Thorns and Roses, book four by Sarah J. Moss. Brooke ended up winning that little battle, and so you do hear from her on our most anticipated February releases episode discussing this. Um, we then have a book that Stacy is very excited about. This is Serena Singh Flips the Script by Sonia Lolly, And my pick of All Girls by Emily Layden is also out this week. So now I want to move on to some books that you haven't heard us talk about before. And these are books that I found as I've been researching new books and looking out for what's new and exciting and of interest to the Book Bistro community. 
So I want to talk about Dark Horses by Susan Mihalik. This is a debut novel about a teenage girl who is fighting to reclaim her life from her abusive father. So it looks pretty dark. Um, I don't know if it has actual horses in it, but I hope so. This is Dark Horses, and it is by Susan Mihalik. We then have Khalil by Yasmina Khadra, and this is kind of a literary thriller, I guess. It is the story of the 2015 terrorist attack in France, and we see it from the perspective of a young man who is, I'm thinking, a fictitious character, although I suppose I don't really know that, um, but sort of his involvement in this attack. And terrorism has become a very real part of today's world. And so while I'm not a huge fan of fiction about terrorism, I do sort of understand and admire people who are choosing to examine things through that lens and tell those stories. So this is Khalil, and it is by Yasmina Khadra. We then have, from the phenomenal Sarah Gailey, we have The Echo Wife. This is a new take on The Extramarital Affair. Sarah Gailey has written a bunch of really, really great books. I know that Brooke really enjoys their stuff, and they have been on my list of authors to read for quite some time now. I have Magic for Liars sitting on my iPad, um, Upright Women Wanted, and When We Were Magic kind of hanging out nearby as well. But this is The Echo Wife. It's kind of a domestic thriller, I guess, but with a bit of an extra twist. And again, this is by Sarah Gailey. So this next book is going to make Natalia really, really happy. I'm not sure if she even knows that it's coming out this week, but this is Do No Harm. It's the third novel by author Christina McDonald. And if you're wondering why you recognize that name, her debut novel, which is The Night Olivia Fell, came out a couple of years ago and was just utterly fantastic. She released Behind Every Lie last year. So now we have Do No Harm, and this kind of sticks with McDonald's trend of examining familial relationships. And this is about a mother and son, um, namely, how far will a woman go to save her son? So this is Do No Harm, and it is by Christina McDonald. And let's talk about some historical novels here. First up, we have a historical mystery. This is Dangerous Women by Hope Adams, and I am really, really looking forward to this one. It is about a group of female convicts who are sentenced to live out the rest of their days in Australia. And I guess a murder happens aboard the ship that is taking them there. This is set in 1841. I want it really, really badly. So this is Dangerous Women, and it's by Hope Adams. This next book is a very pleasant surprise for me because I did not know it was coming out until I began to research books for this episode. This is The Paris Dressmaker by Christy Cambron. And Cambron is one of these authors who does not get the recognition that I think she deserves. I absolutely loved her novel, The Ringmaster's Wife, which came out several years ago and takes place um, in a circus. 
But this is a World War II themed novel, and it looks at the way Parisians fought the Nazis. And we see this um, through the eyes of two women, one of whom is a seamstress very involved in the fashion industry. Cambrin is known as an inspirational author, so if you enjoy Christian fiction, this should be right up your alley. However, if Christian fiction is not your cup of tea, as it is not mine, um, I want to assure you that these are not preachy books where you feel like you're having religion crammed down your throat in the guise of a story. Cameron is a very gifted writer who just knows how to tell a compelling story in a way that feels real and relatable. So this is The Paris Dressmaker by Christy Cambron, and I'm so glad that she has a new book out. Okay, so romance. We have several fantastic romances this week. First up is When We Were Young by Jacqueline Goldis. And this is another one of those books that sort of walks the line between romance and women's fiction. So many books do this so well, and I'm very excited that we have another one. This is about three generations of women who come together, and it's a novel of family drama, buried secrets, and the hope for a second chance. Once again, it is When We Were Young by Jacqueline Goldis. And if you love enemies to lovers romance set on the stage, we have Modern English by Rachel Spangler. This is the story of an aristocrat and an actor and the sparks that fly between them. I've never read Rachel Spangler before, but I've heard really great things about her. So this is one that I want to check out since I really like novels that center around plays or movies or TV shows. This is Modern English, and it is by Rachel Spangler. I now want to talk about First Comes Like. This is the third book in the Modern Love series by Alicia Rye. And the first two books in this series, The Right Swipe and Girl Gone Viral, have gotten some attention on this podcast before. Um, these are books that kind of examine love in the digital age, and I think it's such a cool concept. I've not read Alicia Rye yet, but I really want to, and I think this series is kind of the perfect place for me to jump in. So this is the third book, and it's called First Comes Like. It's the third book in the Modern Love series by Alicia Rye. This next book is one that just like delights me in every possible way, and I haven't even read it. This is The Bookworm's Guide to Flirting. It is the third book in the Bookworm's Guide series by Emma Hart. Um, first of all, I have to tell you that it's not out in audio, unfortunately, until March 30th. But if you want it in print or an ebook, you can get it this week. And the title just definitely checks all of my romance boxes. Um, and I'm really excited for this, but it is basically the setup is a heroine ends up going on a blind date, which is not sort of what she had in mind on Valentine's Day, but apparently things work out a little better than she expected. So it's The Bookworm's Guide to Flirting, 
The Bookworm's Guide, Book 3, by Emma Hart. This next book is sure to make Miss Mika very, very, very excited. This is a series that she talks about pretty often when she's on the podcast. It's Soul Star, The Kingston Cycle, Book 3, by C.L. Polk. This is set in a wonderful, like, alternate Edwardian England. It feels a little bit steampunky. There are really excellent um, same-sex relationships here. I love the world building. I love the characters. I'm just really excited that this is finally out. Um, the first book, if you're wondering, is Witch Marked, and it is so fantastic. So this one is Soul Star, The Kingston Cycle, book three by C.L. Polk. This next book is a series that I have been wanting to read now for a little while and haven't yet, which is nothing new, I know. But this is Shades of Hate. It's Jackie Leon, number five, by K.N. Bannett. And these are, from what I understand, read-alikes for the Mercy Thompson series. So if you enjoy Mercy Thompson and you're kind of sad that we don't get a Mercy Thompson release this year, um, you might want to check out the Jackie Leon books. Kristen really enjoyed the first couple that I know she read. And this is one that I plan to be diving into at some point as well. This is Shades of Hate, Jackie Leon, book five by K.N. Bannett. And Jennifer Ashley is releasing the 13th book in her Shifters Unbound series. And I am a terrible person who has never read Jennifer Ashley, but this is The Last Warrior and... So many people love Ashley, both her paranormals and her historical series. Um, I've not read any of them, and I really need to, especially since this Shifter series just gets so much love in paranormal romance spaces. So again, this is The Last Warrior, Shifters Unbound, number 13, by Jennifer Ashley. And I'm rounding it up today with two young adult titles, one is YA fantasy, and one is just general kind of YA fiction. Um, actually, they're both kind of young adult fantasy, now that I look at this. Um, we Are the Fire by Sam Taylor. And this is, I don't know, like fantasy or dystopia, maybe? I can't quite decide. It is the story of a land where children are stolen by the emperor put through this really grueling transformation and forced to become fire-wielding soldiers for the empire. I'm not sure that that's like a good way to go about growing your army, but this is why I'm not an emperor, I guess. This is We Are the Fire, and it is by Sam Taylor. And last up for me today is Reaper of Souls, which is the second book in the Kingdom of Souls series that was started last year by Rena Barron. Um, this is a good mix of young adult fantasy with romance threads running through it. Um, unfortunately, I've not read it, so I cannot tell you a lot, but I can say that the buzz that I've heard about at least book one has been very, very positive. So this, again, is Reaper of Souls, Kingdom of Souls, book two by Rena Barron. 
And that is it for me this week. I hope all of you are, as I said, staying safe and warm and well. Hopefully the winter storms have not hit you too hard in your corner of the universe. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.